Welcome to Taiwan Yen, where we'll share stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. I'm your host, Cindy, and today we're chatting with Shauna Yang Ryan, a creative writing professor and author of the award-winning book, Green Island. Green Island is a historical fiction that takes place after the 228 incident where thousands of Taiwanese citizens were killed for protesting the Kuomintang World Government on Feb 28, 1947. It also covers events throughout the White Terror period, which lasted until 1987. Let's meet Shauna. Hi, Shauna. Tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for having me. I'm a writer and a professor of creative writing at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, um, but I grew up in Northern California. My mom was born and raised in Taiwan, and that's where my parents met. Um, my dad is German-Irish-American, and he was stationed in Taichung, and my parents met, and then my mom moved to the United States. I went to live there after college for a few years, and my mom's family is still there, and you know, Taiwan feels like another home to me, and I care very deeply about its history and its future. So what inspired you to write the novel Green Island? Like a lot of my writing projects, it was inspired by a gap in my own knowledge. I learned about the 228 massacre after I graduated from college. I was in Taiwan and I encountered the 228 Museum and I was just really shocked to learn this story and, and shocked at my own ignorance too. And I think there are a lot of people of my generation who don't know the story or didn't know the story until you know, they were older. And the more I looked into it, the more I wanted to write about it. You know, I assumed that if I didn't know about it, then other people probably didn't know about it. And it seemed like a very important story to, to share. So um, what is the 228 event? The quote unquote incident itself took place on February 27th, 1947, when Monopoly Bureau agents tried to confiscate black market cigarettes from a female peddler and ended up pistol whipping her. An angry crowd gathered and the panicked agents shot into the crowd in trying to escape and they ended up killing a bystander. And this was a spark that opened up the unrest that had been brewing under the surface among the people of Taiwan since the arrival of the Kuomintang. The protests um, were then met with brutality, murders, arrests, and disappearances by the Kuomintang government. So that entire sequence of events is often called the 228 incident, but really more accurately, it should be and is often called the 228 massacre. The White Terror period, broadly from 1947 to 1987, was an era of extreme repression in which anyone considered a threat or making moves to oppose the Kuomintang rule was arrested. Can you give us a synopsis of the novel? Yeah, the novel spans from 1947 to 2003, and it follows the aftermath of one man's sentence as a political prisoner, the effect on his family. And it's narrated by his youngest daughter. Um, and it not only follows her relationship with her father and what happens in their family after he goes to prison, but also her immigration to the United States in the um, 1970s. In that section, her family, she and her husband, they shelter an asylum seeker. He's um, a Taiwanese activist. So the novel is kind of a domestic novel in a way, but it's also very political. It's, there's some political intrigue in it. It's 
I think it's kind of multi-genre. And you mentioned first learning about 228 and it shocked you, but was there a reason you picked just that particular moment in Taiwan's history? Like you mentioned, it originated with my surprise at learning about it, of course. But to me, and I want to make a disclaimer that I'm not a historian, I am a fiction writer, but with all the research and reading I've done about Taiwan's history, to me, the history of modern Taiwan started at the end of World War II, the 228 massacre. I, I think it's an absolutely pivotal event. The Taiwanese came out of World War II, I think, with high expectations because the Jap the end of Japanese colonialism and high expectations for what might happen when uh, the Chinese took over governance. And, you know, that led almost immediately to dashed hopes out of the conflict and out of the 228 massacre emerged this distinct sense of a separate Taiwanese identity. Mm-hmm. And, and then as far as facing the book in the white terror, like beyond the 228 massacre, I mean, the white terror seemed so far from my own personal experience. But I was kind of like mind blown by this idea that, you know, this was a system my mom had grown up under, and yet it seemed so, so far away from everything I knew. And so I wanted to learn more about that. So I think those those two are the main like foundational reasons that I wanted to like build on on that in the book. Mm-hmm. And you know that humans learn from our history. What do you think is something people must remember about this event or white terror in general? That's a good question. I think that uh, it's important to remember the 1947 massacre was part of a fabric of events and violences. Like sometimes it's called the 228 incident, which makes it sound like it was a one-off event. But the massacre originally was called the March Massacre in English because it extended from, you know, it started with the incident at the end of February and extended for weeks and there's just ongoing violence and conflict. And then after the initial intense intensity of the violence and the arrest ended, it was followed by, you know, these decades of continued state violence and intimidation, the white terror. So I think that that's something that people should remember. It wasn't just one single incident. And also it's important to remember that tensions had been brewing before February 28, 1947, you know, since the Chinese nationalists came in in 45. And I think you could even argue that that simmering uh, resistance in Taiwan could be traced to the Japanese colonial era, or maybe even before that, because mm-hmm. there was a very short-lived Republic of Formosa in 1895. It's just like one moment in this large span of history. To me, that's what's really important to remember about it. And it's just so much colonialism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And... Even hearing you talk about it, uh, as I'm doing this podcast series, for myself, I'm learning more and more how democracy is earned slowly, painfully, and a lot of bloodshed and tears. Mm -hmm. So how did you do your research to create this book? Well, you know, I first started with reading, um, and I watched old movies. When you're researching for a novel, you're not just only looking for uh, the background history and the plot points. But you also have to research how people live their lives, what their daily lives were like, what home life was like, what happened at school, what kind of classes did they take, what games did they play, what kind of clothes did they wear. It's like very multidimensional, you know, so I would try to find the music of the era I was researching. There's some actually really cool old home movies you can find on YouTube. 
So watching old movies and looking at those carefully and seeing how people dressed and what was happening and what kind of shops were around. When I was living in Taipei, I would go to the film archives and they had some pretty cool home movies there that you could watch, Mm. plus old um, like studio movies. And then, of course, talking to people and talking to people about all aspects, not just about the very high intensity political aspects of living under white terror, but what was your favorite class in school? And, you know, what did you do for the holidays and things like that? And sort of just pulling that all together, sort of like a a magpie is how I think about it. You just grab little scraps here and there and weave it together into some sort of story. I'm just surprised there's 60s home footage of Taiwan life on YouTube. Yeah, there's amazing things on YouTube. <laughs> I found some really cool footage of Nixon's visit to China with all the like original audio. That was a very interesting find that, you know, kind of makes its way into the book as sort of a parallel happening. There's interesting things on the internet. <laughs> so for the interviews that you've done, I guess, firsthand, secondhand accounts, was there one that really stayed with you? Yeah, I mean, they all moved me in different ways. And you know, I, I feel very honored and humbled that people trusted me with their stories. I think that speaking to people who had formerly been imprisoned during the White Terror and children of, mm-hmm. of men who went missing in 1947, they made especially deep impressions because it put like this living, breathing face on what had previously been history, right? I'd started out reading the history in the books and it seems a bit abstract. And then you talk to people who are sitting right in front of you. And and this is like their lived experience. And one of my first interviews was with a man who had lost his father at the Badu train station killings. Uh, So this is early on in my research. So it was about 55 years after he had lost his father. But you know, I don't think he'd spoken much about it. It was just clear how raw it still was. And that made a deep impression. Mm. I've often wondered myself, and I realized too, just talking to other people, that it just seems like my parents and their parents don't really want to talk mm-hmm. about the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's probably very traumatic. It's hard to open up and, yeah, talk about that trauma and, and bring it back up. And I think that maybe that was a, a kind of advantage for me not being the child of whoever I was interviewing, right? I was the stranger and it could sort of put a little bit of distance into the story. I think that that probably helped. In your opinion, what was what was life like during the White Terror period? Life during the White Terror, I think for most people, there was underlying tension always humming in the background. One goes about their daily life, going to school, going to work, falling in love, raising a family, but there was always this potential for an innocuous yet fatal mistake, like not expressing enough explicit respect for Jiang Kai-shek and a sense that you were always being watched, if not by government agents, then by your neighbors. Uh, It was like a permeation of mistrust, which is so devastating for a community, but I think that that was part of its intended effects. Is there something you hope people take away from reading the novel? Um, I'm always glad when people tell me that they learn something new about Taiwan or they know more about Taiwan than they did before they started. I really wanted people to get a sense of what those generations endured living through the white terror 
like, again, thinking about my mother, who I think about in a certain way, you know, being with her in the United States and just doing our thing, going shopping or whatever, you know, moms and daughters do. And then the think about she also had this other experience living under white terror. It's a it's a gap that has to be bridged mentally. Um, so I think if people can come away from the book having a sense of like, this is also a life that people lived in the modern era, I would feel happy with that. Lastly, I, I hope people come away with a strong sense of Taiwan's unique and particular history, you know, as a place unto itself. I've sometimes seen comments people say about the book that they understand now Taiwan is not China, and then I'm happy about that. So you are a professor of creative writing, and this is a fictional series. Why do you think historical fiction could be impactful? I think what fiction does to history like it adds plot, it adds smells and touch and sights and sound and it adds emotions and three-dimensional characters. And I think those are the things that make it impactful because it makes history live and breathe in people's imaginations. Of course, I have a high opinion <laughs> of fiction, but I think if fiction is done well, it can make people really feel the story in their bodies. And, mm. and that's really powerful. I'm excited to read your book. And before your book, I had a more nonfiction documentary style book oh. and that took me years. <laughs> I think I read somewhere that you had lived a few years in Taipei while doing this research. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you to live there as an adult? I felt really exhilarated living in Taipei. You know, it's this wonderful big city. I love meeting people and finding out like all the cool things they were doing. And I also met really unique characters because I would just talk to people and then I would find out their life story and find all these interesting things and people were very willing to share. I love how Taipei makes space for all kinds of people. I guess like any big city like New York or San Francisco, you're just going to meet a wide range of people and that's something I love about Taipei. And then more specifically, I love a city that has a 24-hour bookstore. You could go to the clubs and then you could go out and get like dojang and then you could go hang out at the bookstore at like 3 a.m. and it'd be like filled with people. I don't think there's any other city in the world where you could do that. To me, that's sort of like this metaphor or symbol or what have you about why Taipei is so amazing. Like you could have all that existing, coexisting at like 3 a.m. How would you describe the Taiwanese identity? That's a hard question. I mean, I don't think I can en encapsulate the Taiwanese identity. It's multicultural. I think it's very diverse. I want to say proudly independent. There's a fierceness to it because of everything that Taiwan has gone through to get to where it is. That democracy was hard earned. And I think that that's really vibrant in a quote unquote Taiwanese identity. Taiwan is, has a strong sense of itself as Taiwan. If you could write another book about Taiwan, maybe you are working on one. <laughs> what, what would you want the story to focus on? I'm interested in the 90s. I haven't seen an English language novel that intersects with the Wild Lily student movement, which took place in 1990. And obviously, I'm interested in movements. And that's one that really interests me. I've read an academic book um, that kind of parallels it with Tiananmen which happened the year before. So I, that, I think that's something that I would want to write about. How has writing the Green Island novel impacted you personally? Working on this book has helped me think really deeply about history and the cycles of history and human behavior 
And a question that I have asked myself a lot in the last four years is, um, do people learn? You know, does the moral arc of the universe bend towards justice, as Martin Luther King Jr. claimed? As I see things sort of cycle back in, in world politics just in 2020 and, and things that are happening with the different protest movements around the world and like the Milk Tea Alliance, you know, with Hong Kong and Thailand and, and Taiwan. And I, I try to hold on to what I see as, as a kind of hope that's in the story of Taiwan. But then I, I also question if maybe I'm a little bit naive or too optimistic. You just mentioned, you know, politics replaying itself again and again. Is there a message or theme from the book then that you think still applies to Taiwan today? Um, I think people power. You can't dismiss the power of a collective movement. You know, the, the democratization movement in Taiwan was made up of thousands of individual sacrifices that all together created actual change. And I think that that is something that can apply to Taiwan or other places. And we've seen it happen in the United States over the past summer. I think people are very powerful when they work together. If you'd like a copy of Green Island, you can find it on IndieBound.org or via good old Amazon. Camphor Press is also a great place for historical fiction novels. And if you like this episode, please rate, subscribe, and tell your friends. Taiwan Jiayou!